Go and do likewise. The word of the Lord. And now I have the pleasure of, again, welcoming Marina to come up with me. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I don't remember, was it last week, two weeks ago? The 30th, I think. We welcomed in, I don't need two microphones, that's a little overzealous. Uh, uh, we welcome new members into our fellowship, and so this morning um, we're going to do that again and get to hear from Marina. So here at Monroe Free Methodist Church, we make it our goal to be spiritually transformed by the Holy Spirit and to join Jesus in his work of bringing healing and wholeness to our world. To enter into membership is to choose to align oneself with this mission and with the theological and biblical teachings of the Free Methodist denomination. As members of Monroe Free Methodist Church, we will help one another live like Jesus. On this day, we are excited to welcome Marina into the membership of the Monroe Free Methodist Church. This morning, she will be committing herself to be faithful to these confessions and covenantal promises she now makes before the Lord and before all of you. For those of us who have once publicly declared these same commitments, may this be a renewal of our own covenant. So Marina, I'd, I'm going to give you the microphone if you'd like to share just uh, a few sentences of maybe how you came to know Jesus, why you're making this decision to be a part of Monroe Free Methodist Church. Hello again. <laughs> um, well, of course, I think I've talked about this with so many of you guys like so many times before, but I kind of came in here on a whim just to watch Skylar play bass in the band or guitar. Was it guitar at the time? I think it was guitar. And I remember like I walked in and I was just at such like a low point in my life and I just felt like this like overwhelming warmth that I've never really felt before except for in like the presence of like a few people. And so it was like really, really weird. And I was like, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Like, I don't really know, but I guess we'll figure out. And so I started um, participating in what our old version of midweek movement was. And I started coming into church every single week. And I just kind of just found my family and slowly like my hope was just getting renewed because it was just hard waking up and just not having any of it. And so I'm super excited for this like new, this new journey to 100% find myself within God and to like know his power in some sort of way. And I'm just, I'm super stoked. I, I'm super excited. Beloved in the Lord, that's you. You have been baptized into Christ, and you come now to be received into membership at this Free Methodist Church. We rejoice with you in God's mercies that has brought you to this hour, and we join our prayers with yours as you make this sacred undertaking. Having received the sacrament of baptism, having learned the nature of these privileges and responsibilities, having been instructed in the teachings and mission of the Free Methodist Church, and having been approved by the local board of administration, Marina now comes to be welcomed into membership within this holy fellowship. We now propose, in the fear of God, to question her as to her faith and purpose, that you may know that she is ready to be admitted into this fellowship. Members of the Free Methodist Church, 
trusting in the enablement of the Holy Spirit and seeking the support of the other members of this church, make the following confession and commitments as a covenant with the Lord and with this church. So Marina, do you have the assurance that God has forgiven your sins through faith in Jesus Christ? I do. Do you believe the Bible is God's written word, uniquely inspired by the Holy Spirit? And do you accept its authority for what you must believe and how you must live? I do. <laughs> do you hear resolve by God's grace to be Christ-like in heart and life, opening yourself fully to the cleansing and empowering ministry of the Holy Spirit, the guidance of the scriptures and the nurture and fellowship of the church? I do. And do you accept the Articles of Religion, the Membership Covenant, the Goals for Christian Conduct, and the Government of the Free Methodist Church, and will you endeavor to live in harmony with them? I do. And finally, as a follower of Jesus, will you embrace the mission of the Free Methodist Church within and beyond this congregation? And will you join us in giving sacrificially of your time, talents, and resources to help us carry out that mission? I do. Friends in Christ, I commend each of you to love and care for Marina and for one another. Do all in your power to strengthen her faith. Encourage her in hope. Perfect her in love. Would you now stand and show your support and recognition of the part you play in her life? Yes, that's clapping time. <laughs> Marina? I receive you into this fellowship and may the Lord confirm you in faith and fellowship as a true disciple of Jesus. May the experience of your membership in this body enrich your life and the life of our church. And may your contribution to its life strengthen you and all of us here. There you go, your official certificate. Woo! I was talking with Melanie this last week and uh, we noticed it had been a few weeks since I'd had the opportunity to, I'll just say, to talk with you all on Sunday morning. Because um, how I've been preaching over the last couple of years has kind of evolved. Um, and so now, in, in my mind, it is a conversation where God begins the conversation with me as I read the scripture throughout the week. God speaks first. And then we all speak together. And so... It's become this thing where I, every once in a while I can, I can catch one of your eyes and I can see what you're thinking in your head. And I think, oh yeah. And then I add something to the sermon because of you and because this is, this is us learning together. And this is us being taught together because I learn something new each week. And so as I was reading through these, these scripture passages, Melanie is like, oh, 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 these lectionary passages. Good luck, Kevin. <laughs> so you, you, you heard the Amos passage, right? You, you heard where Amos had gone up to Bethel, which was the place of worship up in the nation of Israel, which was the northern kingdom, right? So he, he was up there, and he, he's preaching there, and, and he says some things that weren't very complimentary. He says some things that were perhaps a little scary, Maybe that, you know, put a little bit of fear into the hearts of those who heard them. And so as people kind of talked about it and the grapevine kind of happened, you notice that by the time it got back to the king, it wasn't just this 
thing of warning that he had said or that God was bringing his plumb line, because that's, that's what's recorded. What gets back to the king is, hey, king, you're going to die by the sword and Israel is going into exile. There was no metaphor. There was no flowery language that gets reported back to the king. It's personal. It's about the king. It's about the kingdom. It's about the punishment. And that's all people apparently had reported back. And so is it really any surprise that the king takes it personally? And he says, hey, this is how this needs to go. I, I need you to go south. I need you to stop prophesying here. I need you to prophesy down. Go down to Judah. You trouble them for a while. Preach against their king for a while because I don't, I don't really need troublemakers like you in our place of worship. And so I was looking at this, this, this story, and you know, there's a lot more depth to it, and I, I don't have time to get into it in the 10 to 15 minutes I normally take for preaching on Sunday mornings. But I, I started looking at it and going, how many times does God speak? And instead of listening to the whole message, all we seem to be able to remember the one or two things that we don't like. The one or two things that would require us maybe to change that thing that we really kind of like about ourselves. You know, maybe my sense of humor, it doesn't, it doesn't actually hurt anyone. We're just, we're just joking. I don't want to change that about my, that's, that's me. But maybe that's what God is asking us to. But when God speaks, it's, it's unfortunate because we often, we only hear the parts that we want to resist and we miss the rest of the message. So we can fast forward, and that probably one of the most famous parables of Jesus is, is this parable we read this morning, this one from Luke. This parable of the Good Samaritan, right? To the point where we have laws on our nation's books called Good Samaritan Laws, where if you come across someone who's hurt and you go to help them, they can't sue you for helping. <laughs> you know? It's to protect the good Samaritan. It's become kind of just the way we talk. If someone says, hey, it's a good Samaritan, you have a vague idea of what they're talking about, at least. Most people will go, yeah, I'm nice for somebody when you meet them. But the story here, there's layers here where, like, how many times have you passed by somebody who's hurting and haven't stopped? You know, like, I, I was driving home from work last week, and I noticed two nights in a row there was a guy sitting on a park bench. And he looked like the kind of guy who was probably going to be there all night. And I was busy. I drove home. You know, I mean, he didn't seem to be in special distress. Nobody had just beaten and robbed him, I don't, I don't think. I didn't ask. And so now, as I'm reading this parable in preparation for this Sunday and this conversation with you all, I have to admit that I kind of feel like maybe I should have stopped. Melanie and the girls weren't home. I wasn't in any particular hurry. I just wanted to get home and make some chicken nachos. You know what I mean? Like, I, I had nothing more pressing going on than being hungry, and maybe he was hungry too. I don't know. And so I, I read this message, and there, there's this, this message here, this parable that is told in response to the lawyer asking the question, what do I have to do to get eternal life? And Jesus, in his Jesus-like way, says, well, I don't know, what do you think? 
And the guy's like, well, you know, you, you love God and you love your neighbor. That kind of sums everything up. And he's like, yeah, go do that. And then the lawyer follows it up with, okay, yeah, but how? What do you mean by that? Give me some details. Give me, give me something to flesh this out. Give me, give me something to hang my hat on. Because, I mean, come on, love, love your neighbor. What does that even mean? And then Jesus tells this story about, you know that, that time there was somebody in need and the people who claimed to be the holy ones just walked on by. And then there was that guy from that God-forsaken place where they still worship on that mountain that was prophesied against by Amos in the Old Testament. Those Samaritans up north. One of those guys stopped by. One of those guys bound up his wounds, cleaned him up, dropped him off at the local inn and said, hey, here's a couple days' wages. Do what you need to do for the guy. I'll be back by later. If it costs more, I'll take care of it. So Jesus asked the perhaps the obvious question. Which of those guys was a neighbor? Was it the, the priest, the Levite, who just kind of like, they had a lot in common. They shared the same belief system. They worshipped the same places. They, they wanted to follow the same laws. But they didn't love each other. They just walked by. Were, were, were they neighbors? The way that love your neighbor as yourself asks us to be neighbors? Well, no. It was the guy they had nothing in common with, the guy from up north, the guy who worshipped in a different way in a different place. That's your neighbor. They took care of each other. So I... I was reminded of this, this passage that sometimes gets quoted, there are two halves to it, and they get quoted separately a lot. But I wanted to kind of read both all in a row. And you'll probably recognize part of it when I get to it. So this is Paul talking to the church in Galatia. He says, live by the spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. Desires is opposed to the spirit, and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. They're opposed to each other, and they prevent you to do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not subject to the law, and so the works of the flesh are obvious. You know, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like those. And I'm warning you, as I warned before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. You've probably heard that list preached about. Here's all the stuff you shouldn't do. Here's all the things that are wrong. Let's pick one or two things out of that list, and I can preach a nice fire and brimstone sermon and yell for a bit about how you shouldn't have idols in your life. I can do that. You've probably heard that. But I think the second half of that run-on sentence of Paul's is essential. Instead of that stuff, let's not just avoid that. Here's the stuff that actually matters. Here are the fruit of the Spirit. If you have the Spirit within you, you're going to look like a joyful, loving, patient, generous, gentle, kind, self-controlled, and loving person. And against those things, there is no law. 
Now, I think it's pretty obvious that Paul wasn't saying, if you're a loving person, you'll never break a law. Because there have been plenty of laws passed in our nation and many others since the beginning of time that would outlaw being loving, kind, patient, and gentle. What Paul is saying is that you are breaking none of the laws that matter when you are loving, patient, kind, gentle, self-control, faithful. And so I look at this, this word that was preached up north, those troublesome northerners. Well, why don't you just go south? Go, go, down, to, go down to Jerusalem or something. We don't, we don't need you here telling us these things. I, I hope that when I talk about the things that have been shared with me by God, I think. I hope you don't just hear some sort of contentious word about how, well, God's going to come punish you. And I hope you don't get the grapevine version that got back to the king of Israel. I hope you get the version that says, hey, there's this good Samaritan who was on the road, and he took care of somebody he didn't even know, and he left money for them to be taken care of in the future. I hope you hear the part where Paul says, hey, it doesn't matter what country or what laws you find yourself being governed by. Here are the things that there is never a law against. Here are the things that are put in you by the Spirit of God. Be loving and joyful and patient and kind and generous and good and all those other things. I don't know about you, but I had to apologize to a coworker this last week. They were teaching me how to do a new thing, and they, at one point in time, were teaching me how the staples go on the stack of papers so that I could have the copyright so that the staples weren't covering the, the right number and all that kind of stuff. And it was the most mind-numbing, tedious, boring infuriating 15 minutes of my life, right? Paper, staple, copy, right? What was inexcusable is that instead of being kind and patient and joyful and generous, I looked at her and I said, it's a copier, I got it. And I know she was trying to help me. I know that it's probably that the people we send these stupid reports to are super particular and she's trying to keep me from making the mistakes that she was yelled at for. I know why she was doing it. And I still took my frustrations out on her. I still took my impatience and made it her problem. I still took the junk that I have in my head and in my life and I threw it at her. It wasn't her fault, she's trying to help. That was not the fruit of the Spirit. And so when we come to this table each week, there's always a turning from something and turning toward something else. And so for me, one of the biggest examples I have of what I'm turning away from is I need to stop being angry or frustrated or impatient with my coworkers when they're trying to help me. And I want to love my neighbor or my coworker. And I want to be patient and joyful. And I want to bring that patience and joy and generosity into the workplace. 
When's the last time you went to work and went, wow, this is such a generous room right now? Like, it just doesn't happen. But if we can bring that with us to work, if we can bring the Holy Spirit of God inside us as he has promised to be, and then to show that and share that, people will notice. People will be drawn to the Holy Spirit within you. And the world will be a better place and a more godly place because you have allowed the Holy Spirit to be inside you and to flow through you. So maybe you can join me in having communion this morning and repenting of the times that we have been anything but and to seek to be a good neighbor to everyone we meet. Let's pray. Father, this morning we do repent of the times that we thought we were more important than others. The times that we thought our time was more valuable than theirs. And the times that not the first, second, or third thought in our heads was how to serve them. So Father, I pray that you would give us the the presence of mind, the ability to see and the power of your Holy Spirit to love and serve our neighbors this week.